Hey, this is the Holes of Your Mark show, and today I am talking to Denise Pridemore. Denise Pridemore is originally from Baltimore and lives in Virginia, lived in Virginia, New Jersey, Alcatraz, is that right? Missouri, and settled in eastern Kansas. She's ha- She's had... Several paranormal experiences since her early child, mem- earliest memories, and she is a radio presenter herself. I think it's called Paranormal Pride, but she'll probably correct me. And, yep, that's right. And we shall now go on to discuss with Denise. Hi, Denise. How are you? Hi, Mark. I'm just fine. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. While I was reading your profile, I found it very interesting about the experiences you've had with ghosts. Could you tell me a little bit about that, please? Well, I've had... You know, it's been a while since I've read that, but I've had so many experiences that uh, I could expound upon many of them. The big ones have been... um, Oh, I run into spirits in random places... Um, the big ones are like, uh, you know, being the tour guide at the Sally House in Atchison, Kansas, I ran into hundreds there. Um, we, most of the houses that we've lived in, I've come to the realization that maybe those houses weren't haunted, maybe it was more me. Uh, the, the house we lived in just before this was, was interesting. Um, we had our children, well, we, we bought the house, we didn't have kids. And while I was pregnant, one night, a child, 16-year-old boy, walked into my bedroom and said, Mom. And we had a 16-year-old neighbor kid next door, and we didn't really lock our doors. It was just, we we felt safe where we were at. And it was very strange. I said, what? And he went away. This happened over a period of 11 years a lot, enough to where... The three children that we had in that house over those 11 years would tell us that they've seen this kid, too. Well, it was very funny. We'd lived in the house quite a while. We were buying a car. We were at a dealership, and we were filling out the paperwork. And the guy says, I know your house, the salesman. I know your house. I'm like, yeah, right. You know, no, I used to live in your neighborhood, he said. I oh, he goes, you live in the suicide house. I'm like, what? We didn't know this, okay? But at that point in time, it all clicked, and I looked, my husband and I looked at each other, and the guy went on to explain to us that our neighbor's best friend, when she lived in the house, her son had committed suicide in the house. So here's the strange part was, is we were remodeling the house. We had these little pellet holes in the wall in our dining room that I would fill in with spackle and I'd paint. A couple days later, the holes would be back. Fill them in again, paint them again. This went on for years until just after we found out that there had been a suicide in our house and we, well, at that point I dealt with it, of course. But, you know, back then... We didn't have the ability to search newspapers.com. 
we didn't, I didn't know where the genealogy records were. I didn't know where to go look to find out, you know, who owned my house before, um, besides the people who owned it just before me. You know, I didn't know any of the things that I know now. And so it was very strange. So the next time it happened after we bought these cars, we, you know, I talked to the spirit and I said, go to your mom. She loves you. The next time I filled in the holes, they stayed, and we never saw the boy again. So that was one of the, the experiences that we had. Some others happened after my father was murdered. He would show up in random places um, wherever we lived. You know, things like random toilet flushes in the middle of the night to um, kissing me on my cheek when I'm the only one in the room. Um, things like that when I'm completely awake. Uh, my kids telling me that they saw Elvis. My dad my dad looked like Elvis when he was younger. Um, random things like that. So we've had, we had experiences at the hospital when I had my second daughter. That one was very odd. My grandmother had died four days before my second daughter was born. She was waiting for that baby to come. Baby was 11 days late. Uh, grandma couldn't wait that long, I guess, and she, she died. During this time, the doctor tells me, well, if the baby's not here by 7.30, it's going to be a C-section. Me knowing that my grandmother's memorial service was going to be in Maryland at 8.30 in the morning, I wanted to have that baby out myself, which 8.30 in the morning in Maryland and 7.30 in the morning in Kansas City are the same time. Baby came at 7.29 in the morning. So she's she's been just on time ever since, or, or late, ever since then. But I'm sitting there in the room. Everybody's gone. And suddenly the cradle across the room starts to rock. Okay, I've been in the room pretty much 10 minutes by myself. I'm hooked up to all these machines, um, IV machines, heart monitor, um, the, there's some else, can't remember all of the things they had me hooked up to, but I couldn't get out of bed unless somebody came and helped me get out of bed. And the nurse walks in and says, oh, you've gotten out of bed. And I looked at her quizzically like, what in the hell are you talking about? There's no way I got out of bed. And she looked over there and at the cradle, and I go, my grandmother came to visit. She goes, there's nobody here. I said, my grandmother passed away four days ago. This is her memorial services happening right now. And the nurse turned around. She was white as a sheet. She left, and she never came back. <laughs> I ended up with a new nurse <laughs> um, after that. So those are just a couple of the experiences. I've had, I've had many others. But those are the ones that really make you go, wow. Um, at least to me, they they were they were catalysts in my life. Did they inspire you into get into paranormal, or was you into paranormal before that? Honestly, I have seen spirits since I was a kid, but I kept it quiet for years. Um, I had uh, an out-of-body experience when I was 10 that I witnessed my father's murder. And 
that's a really, really long story. Um, but I witnessed his murder, and when I got up the next morning, I told my mother about it, and she's sitting there, and she says, you can't tell people about this. She swore, she swears, swore that she never said that, but she's told me, she goes, you can't tell people about this. It's 1975. I'm 10 years old. She goes, people won't understand. You can't tell anybody. So pretty much, I understood what she was saying. We already had one strike against us. We were going to be, you know, three young girls with just a mom and no dad in a big city. We were going to be, you know, in a strange environment anyway and maybe treated badly just because of certain things, which we were. We were bullied a lot. I didn't need one more thing. So I kept it quiet for years. In fact, I think it was, we were watching some show on TV. It was probably a haunting or scariest places in, in America or scariest places on earth, stuff like that. When my husband and I realized that we both enjoyed watching things about the paranormal, we had been married probably 15 year, 10, 15 years about that time before we even realized that we both liked it, that we were both interested. And, I mean, I never even told him other than the, the boy that we saw, and he would just give me this look like, yeah, right. And he thought I was t feeding stuff to the kids where I never talked about it in front of the kids about the boy in our house. So when they would tell us about it, you know, we'd always play it down, you know, like my mom did, play it down so that they didn't be scared. But, yeah, we just didn't talk about it So because in 1975 you didn't. So it wasn't until the late 90s before we really realized that we both had a an interest in the paranormal. So, it's just how it is. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 as you know, I've had a near-death experience myself, so I can relate to some of the things that you've been speaking about. It's, it, it does make you sense more, uh, more sensitive towards ghosts. Do you believe that as well? Yes, it does. And I think it does. I mean, between... Well, there's some other things that go on in the background that make me very sensitive to ghosts. It's in my family. There are a lot of Native Americans in my family. Uh, it did, I don't know if it skipped a generation or what, but my grandmother never admitted to seeing spirits, but she admitted to going to a psychic. But she swore up and down that her mother could talk to spirits and her grandmother. So I don't know if it was the time in which my grandmother was you know, was raised, that she just didn't talk about it, but it was part of our, you know, it was just something that I think that I was born with, to be able to hear and see them, but like I said, I stopped it for a long time so that I didn't, I wasn't called the weird kid, you know, things like that. You know, well, I've got a theory that most of our ability to see paranormal comes from early men, so it would tie in with the the native Indian because they were early um, inhabitants of America. They were very connected to the spiritual nature. Yeah. Um. I I don't know 
well, maybe I guess I am somewhat spiritual in nature, but more in, I don't know if it's in a, the same way a lot of paranormal people are, I don't know. Um, more, you know, a lot of people will ask things like, do you believe in God? Yes, I do believe in God. Um, I believe that there is, you know, a higher power, and I believe that it's God. I don't, I don't want, I don't sage, I believe in prayer and holy water, um, or holy oil, you know, things like that, as opposed to, to saging something. Uh, and it's worked for me really good. So, even though I am Native American, and saging does work for me as well, but I would much rather go the Christian route as opposed to the Native American route. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense to me, yes. Because I, I, I had a discussion about the theory of God the other day with someone. I, I believe that God is not a person. I think it's like a white energy force. And we join, when we die, we join it like a, like we all join it like a hive. We all become like a big hive of white light. And that could be the reason why some people see these small white or colored lighted orbs, orbs as in light anomalies. Maybe that's them becoming, going to God. It's possible, isn't it? Because there's so many theories about orbs, but it's very controversial as well. There's a lot. I, I went to attended a talk some time ago, and the the person was basically debunking it because of specks of dirt on the lens and all that kind of thing. But yep. obviously you, when you do take your pictures or audio, I presume you go over them to make sure that is the genuine article. There, in the United States as well, there's a ton of, of uh, debunkers on orbs. And there's... You know, it's dust, it's water, it's it's something. But there have been times where I've seen light anomalies with my own eyes that the camera didn't pick up. You know, I've seen light anomalies that my eyes picked up and the camera picked up. So it's kind of hard to debunk something that I've seen with my own eyes and I'm saying at the same time that the camera's picking it up. I see this light. It's behind you. I don't know why I'm seeing it there, but it's there. Or I've seen pictures of orbs and I see a face in there and I recognize this face as being this person that lived in this location. Is it, is it pareidolia? I don't know. But why would I recognize this person? Or, I mean, in that good of detail, I don't know. It's just like EVPs. Like some people, they get EVP after EVP, but sometimes I don't hear what's in the EVP. I don't hear a damn thing. Or I don't hear what they say it's saying. I hear something different. Is our EVPs also a voice paradoia? What's that interesting? I think because we're heavily influenced, aren't we? That's the trouble. We're so heavily influenced by what we see on the ghost shows that we see on television or on video, where... That obviously the evidence is all handy, all, all instantly found, and they haven't done like tw they don't show you the twenty-four hours plus that it may have took to get that one 
audio bit. Yeah, they as spent, a sort of bumble, yeah. They they spent three hour or three days in one location. We see forty two minutes of their entire time in that area. Not in the location, but in the area. Them goofing off to them doing whatever investigation that they do, and sometimes all the investigation leads to is very little evidence and some of the good stuff ends up on the cutting room floor. And when you've witnessed it, you're sitting there going, I witnessed this happen while you were while you were filming. Why isn't this in there? And why did you decide to put this in there that's stupid and boring? Um, that's from a first that's first hand account that I saw something happen that didn't get in the in there that ended up on the cutting room floor. Um, of course they also miss stuff that they don't tape that people see happening right there while they're there and they didn't even have cameras to catch it. Yeah, because obviously they, I, they have to produce a, a, a so-called entertainment show. Yep. Yeah. Yep, they are definitely entertainers. Do you think that they, they, they may have influenced paranormal groups a little bit? Oh, yeah. If it wasn't for paranormal state... Um, or, yeah, Paranormal State, I have to say, that one probably was the one that influenced the most. Because it was the one of the very first shows out there that got people in mass. So, in mass, going out and doing paranormal right. research. I would say Ghost Adventures has effect. Yeah, they've influenced probably the most. But some of those shows in they've England... They've been around, what, 10, 11 years now? Right. But remember, we used to travel to watch and when we would we would watch the travel channel and there would be that show on that that aired in England. I forgot the name of it. I know you know what it is. Oh. With that blonde Hunters International? No. Oh yeah. That other show. You know you, what I'm talking about. You mean about, the one with Vivette Fielding? From used, yes. used to be on yeah. um Blue Peter. That show. Yeah, he died, didn't he? I don't know. I thought you said you looked it up, he, he passed away. Somebody died. But we used to watch that show, and parts of it were funny. They would do table tipping, and they would use a glass, and they would do all these different things over in, in London. And oh, that's good. It was good. It was, a, it was interesting to see the diff. You know, now it's fun to see the differences between how we do stuff in America to how stuff's done in, in uh, England and London, and even in uh, Ireland. So, but yeah, we used to watch that show, and we that was the one thing we would search for when we were in a hotel room, because we didn't, all we had was basic cable where we lived, and so we would search for this stuff and go, oh, this is on, great, and so we'd be excited about this random show that we could only find when we were traveling, so, but that show, I know it was on over there for years before the United States picked up on ghost hunting shows. So, I don't know. It's just one of those things that I think that these ghost hunting shows have really influenced a lot. And, I mean, some of the new ones coming out, they're, they're changing over so fast. Um, new one's going to be out uh, called Ghost Hunt Live. I wonder how interesting that's going to be because it's like, maybe it's like fishing. You know? Yeah, but... Sometimes you catch something and sometimes you don't. 
well, as I know from doing live, sometimes they have like on television they call like the five second delay and the radio sometimes they have like a five second delay if you like swear or something they take can take it off for that five seconds yeah. you understand don't you that what i'm saying oh yeah and the question is is will they have that five second delay and will they will they pop something into that five second delay to make it to make us think that there was something there yeah, that's the only trouble. Because when I watch these shows, sometimes they go in a dark room and they'll say they'll tell you the story behind the room, which is fair enough. But then you, you're psychologically in a dark room. You've just heard a story about a really bad murder or whatever, and you hear a noise. Your, your mind's going to instantly think, "What was that?" So you can be heavily influenced. I'm not saying it's not true, but I'm just trying to look devil's advocate sort of thing. Yeah, it does. I You're mean, right. that's why when we go places, I don't want to know. I get visits from spirits before we go places as it is. And like this week, I've been getting visits from spirits to where we're going on uh, Saturday and Sunday. I don't know which spirits are related to which place we're going. But I, I don't want to know anything about, I don't know much about the location that we're going to on Sunday. I just know it exists, and I've talked to the guy who owns it. But I try not to listen to the stories because I don't want to have any preconceived notions of what might happen while we're there. You know, I just, I don't need to know. Ron, on the other hand, he may know, know all kinds of stuff about the location. But the bad part is I, we're going on a tour first. Yeah, I, I kind yeah, I kind of like to know what we call hot spots, and I mean, I, in case we're only there a few hours, or you know, get hit the hot spots and see what we get. We can now, understand that. Time, yeah, we don't know anything. I can understand that. It. And also, do you, do, do you find that that you do you do the groups paranormal groups? cooperate with each other's evidence sometimes it it depends on the group it, it really does some there's some out there we we've, we've kind of know that they do like the fake things uh they've been caught <laughs> there, there's some of that going uh, on others have a really good reputation that you know i I trust what they got, what they come up with. And I'll say the fakers are not local, okay? They're no. not local to us. They're, they're just, they're California, period. Um, but no, we do, Ron and I will investigate with other people, groups. Other all groups. The time. Anybody that wants to investigate with us, if they want to, we will find a way. Yeah, we enjoy that. I love finding out um, how people investigate, how they're, they, they do stuff different than we do um, because you learn so much from being with other people. Um, one time we were at this one place and we weren't getting any activity at all. And it was, it was on ghost adventures and it was on ghost, uh, ghost hunters as called the uh, Belvoir, Belvoir winery. They called it the odd fellows home in Liberty, Missouri. I believe on both of them. Uh, we weren't getting any activity at all. And 
we decided that we were going to offer the spirits money. Okay. This, there were poor people living, you know, and it was a hospital, when it was open before, it, it was a hospital, but it was also had poor people there. And you figured a dollar would go really far with these, with these spirits. It still didn't work, but we tried it, and the other paranormal investigators that were with us thought it was funny, but we found out later on that they've tried it in the past, and it's worked in that location. So, <laughs> so it's, you know, what might work for one group might not work for another or it might open their eyes to something a little bit different that they didn't count on. Yeah, so uh, we've had we've had tools that we use that work in one place that don't work in another. It's really strange when you have um, dowsing rods that won't work in one place. They they work for me everywhere else, but they won't work in one place. Uh, it's very odd. Does that mean that there's no spirits there or that the spirits just, they were holding them still so I couldn't talk to anybody? You know, I don't know. So, but I've had the other person that was with me, they were working just fine for them. So, we, we as, a, as a team, me and Ron, we love to work with individuals and find out more about how they do stuff. We learn so much from them. Well, I was reading something the other day about true cases of people being exorcisms. There's a true story behind the exorcists and the Emily Rose. Is it Emily Rose? And the... And it was very interesting about how the priests... They had to get permission from the Vatican and the archbishops... Although they technically right. deny, technically the church denies that exorcisms exist, but that we all know there is an actual division in the Vatican that deals with it because they actually have to train priests to perform an exorcism. You can't just go out right. and buy. You just can't get a book saying a dummy book saying how do I perform an exorcism, because yeah, there's not very many of them. No, no. not very many at all. Very few. I mean, obviously, and it's that that's the extreme cases. I know that's most ghosts who are bad aren't the devil kind. They both probably just want a message to be passed over of some sort. I talked to Ken and Farrah. Oh yeah. Yeah, Ken and Farrah dealer, some friends of ours. They actually do for the church. They actually go and uh, interview. Kind of yeah, interview people that. You know, say they're possessed or they're having, you know, very strange issues. Yeah, and they get involved for the Archdiocese of Springfield, Missouri, as well as uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And they will be the go-between between the the church and the person. So if they determine that they do need an exorcism or something, then they will go and fight for these people to get an exorcism. And they will be there with them while they're having the exorcism, while the priest performs it, because they are they are true demonologists trained by the Roman Catholic Church. Yes, yeah, so so because a lot of people got a, miscon- a lot of people got misconceptions about demonology, haven't they? Yes, they do. Lots and lots of them. Oh yeah. Because I know a well, demon. There's not a lot of people that know that much about it. I mean, really know about it. Yeah. People got the image it's all about the devil and all sort, but it's not really, because I've I, no, I, I, 
I know a person called S. Rob, and he deals with demonology, and he's not right. like into like the devil pit, but he knows all the like the like the so-called um, ways of getting magic and stuff like that. Right. You have to know to be a demonologist. You have to know so much more than how a devil possesses someone. You have to know the archangels. You have to know the prayers. You have to know the signs. You have to be trained in uh, psychology, physiology. Um, you have to know, be able to read somebody who's lying to you about stuff because devil, the demon, demons lie. Um, you have to know the difference between a succubus and uh, a spirit that's in limbo. You know, a um, a purgatory spirit as opposed to a demon. You have to know, I mean, the amount of knowledge you have to have just on the top of your head is ridiculous. And um, I am happy to say, happy to have friends that if I have a question, all I got to do is pick up the phone and call and say, this is what I want to know. And they've written multiple books on the subject to where, as a layperson, I can understand a lot of what they've had to say. And I know that I don't want to deal with a demon myself. I know that I'm going to send that to someone else. So if I believe I'm dealing with a demon, whether it's a low-level demon or not, I'm sending that off to someone else, and I'm going to go go my merry way and figure that out some other time. You know, that's that's me. So, but I don't want to deal with any of these book-taught internet taught demonologists they are they're not they're go, they're putting people in danger i also don't want to deal with anybody that walks into a place and say every place they go it's a demon or i only i only clear demons i don't clear ghosts there's everything's a demon i can't deal with that either it's it's just too much for the people who have to live in the situation and for the people who have to clean up the situation afterwards Yes, that's what a lot of people don't realise, because when, I mentioned when you do an investigation, you have to be empathetic to the persons that you are dealing with, because they are living the moment. You're just a visitor at the time. That's right. That's right. You, you're walking in, you get to go home. You know, one of the biggest pieces of advice that I give people is, don't investigate your own home. And if you are going to investigate a home of someone who's living there, at least tell them what the dangers are of investigating their home could be before you investigate, because you could make it worse. More than likely, you have no control over the spirit in someone else's house. It's not your house. Um, they have to take control of the people who live in that house. And I truly believe that. And I've worked with a lot of people and made them understand that it's your house, you need to take control and allowing a paranormal team to come in, you're taking your control away and giving it to someone else. And that's also to giving that spirit in that house the control to, to do whatever they want. Because you've just said, I have no control. I gave, I gave it away. And that's just how I feel about it. But again, the biggest piece of advice, don't investigate your own home. You're asking for trouble. I also found a very interesting article about Ouija boards. 
a science test has been done, and I think it's called the palette, the thing, that the the object that moves to the... Yeah, the, planchette. Planchette, yeah. yeah. Anyway, they've done an actual scientific test, and they was they, they were saying about how it can be influenced by... Um, your your mind could be influenced by you've heard something, and you subconsciously go to that number, that 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 the words. Oh yeah, and I believe that it could be manipulated just like anything else. But I also believe that if you can manipulate it yourself, something else can too. Oh yeah, I I I believe that as well. But as I say, I I like the fact that they did actually do a scientific test on it. Because it was very good evidence. And I agree. I, I think that that's good that somebody decided that, hey, let's scientifically look at this. Everybody has an opinion about about the Ouija board. You know, whether it's positive or a negative opinion, we all have one. And Ours is we do not mess with it at all. Nope. No, I won't. <laughs> Never touched one and don't plan on touching one. No. no. And, uh... Even when they were popular back in the 70s and early 80s. Well, I knew they were no good then. Never touched them. No, it's very much a fad back then, wasn't it? Yep. And also, the, I found that um, death is a funny thing that we've set nowadays. Now, every time you see it, we see tons and tons of adverts about funeral plans. And we set them like in the background, but nobody really talks about death as such. Not like we did in the Victorian times. You know, in Victorian London, it was like everybody talked about it because obviously Queen Victoria and Prince Albert dying. But it was the in vogue. But do you think it's coming back that way? Yes and no. I think with, I know that I hear more about people talking about death when cancer's involved, but I don't hear people just talking randomly about death, except if they're joking. I mean, I hear people say, oh, if I die, I'm going to come back and I'm going to haunt you. You know, you're pissing me off. I'm going to, I'm going to haunt this person or, or that. You know, I hear a lot of sarcasm involved, but serious talk, you only hear about it with cancer, so I think there's still a taboo about talking about death, at least in the United States. Well, it's over here as well. I find it strange because if you go to places like Mexico, where they have like the Day of the Dead, and there's other right. countries in the world where it's totally accepted, especially in countries that practice Buddhism as well, they totally accept it. It's, they think it's commonplace. They, they, they even dig up the their relatives and have a party and things like that. Yeah, well, New Orleans does that. They move the bone, they move the bodies, they leave them in the one grave for a year, and then they move them to another after that because of the raised. Um, they they only have a certain amount of space in New Orleans for graves, and so in the mausoleums they'll leave the body for a year and then they move them. So that happens down there. Uh, but yet, I mean, even when I was growing up, we used to have picnics at the graveyard, and you don't hear about that as much anymore. 
you know, we would go and spend time with the family. They were in the graveyard, so that's where we would go. Well, we, um, I, I came across that when I used to do volunteer work. I used to work for um, uh, employment training, and one of my, my jobs is to go around helping cutting grass in graveyards. So you learn a lot of respect, obviously. Right. And you learn, you saw you used to see people coming along and they'd tidy up the grave and they'd put flowers on it and they'd have a talk to the person in the grave and walk away. And I thought that was fantastic. And what what made me more sad, more sad than anything else, and I'll admit this, I used to get really creeped out when I used to see the, the, the young children the young children ones like died at six months, died at three months. Right. Those ones were the ones that freaked me out more than the older ones. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. It does the same to me. Because you wonder why. You know, how did this happen? You know... Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I, I don't like seeing, you know... Especially, you know, ones under a year old. Well, even under five. You know... Yeah, it just they makes just you wonder. never got a chance. Well, I'll tell you a true story about that. Well, years and years ago, when I used to live in Essex, a lady down the road lost her child. And the day of the funeral, they had a pure white coffin, a small one. And I remember it being carried out. I can still remember the image to this day of it being carried out. I mean, I didn't know the person at all. But just that image has stayed in my head. Right. It never goes away. No, it's just a very powerful image, isn't it? Yeah, you were talking about orbs earlier. My my theory is, while we're here as humans on Earth, you know, we're in human form. That's the way we see each other. I believe that when a person passes, they become like an energy spirit kind of like what you were talking about you know with with god is is this you know a big ball of energy basically and you know where people go out ghost hunting they're expecting to see you know like a casper looking ghost or something like or you know somebody that looks like a person that's just to me that's that's not really what i'm looking for that's yeah it's not realistic because that's I don't think that's the form that people are in, because I, I can give you a little example. My mom had, uh, there was ten children in her family. She had nine brothers and sisters. When my, uh, that, you know, they had a total of twelve in the family. And they had, you know, you see a family picture, you see a couple, you know, orbs or balls of light in the background for grandma and great-grandma where they would have been standing okay they take another picture after my grandma died actually it was right after her funeral they took a family picture well where my grandma would stand there was a ball of light and when my grandpa passed they did the same thing now it's just the 10 children but there were you know the two balls of light where grandma and great-grandma were supposed to be and her mom and dad, there were two balls of light where they used to stand. Each time they lost a member, there would be one more ball of light show up in the picture. I don't disbelieve. I think that's a very good theory. 
I mean, I've got a theory. I mean, you probably heard my bit of a controversial theory about God as well. I believe he is a schizophrenic. I'll I'll, I'll get into I'll get into detail about that because it always quotes it always quotes in the Bible. I'm not quoting it word for word. That we are made in God's image, right. and we are both good and evil as people. As I say, it's a bizarre theory. It could be completely wrong, but that's my theory. Well, you know, he did also create the angels. Yes. Created Lucifer, who turned in turned out to be well. Technically, we consider him evil, and Michael who's considered to be innately good. So, I can see that. Where the, or he's bipolar. I mean, either way. <laughs> I say a bit of a controversy, but I think it's good to bring theories out. I mean, if they're wrong, they're wrong. But that's, the, that's what I like about talking to people on radio more than video. Because I think you can interact better, and you can say a theory, and they can say, oh, yeah... That, that may be true, but I think it's da-da-da-da. And you can have a better discussion. The reason I like radio better than video is because people can't see my face <laughs> when I think that they're full of crap. Because I make this face, and yeah, we've, had seen some, it. we've had some guests say some really wild things, and when I hear it, I, you know, I got my back to her usually because I'm listening on a headset. <laughs> And whenever I hear something, I turn around and I see her face. She just it's a, it's squints a, her eyes and like, oh, this uh, hurts. Yeah. Um, or if I don't agree with their opinion, you know, I kind of just, you know, kind of just squint and go, okay. And because you know, I don't want to disagree. I don't, I'm not going to disagree with them out loud. And so I don't want them to know I disagree with them. So I don't want them to see my face. So it works out really good to be on radio. I don't so, mind people disagreeing with me. I that's what I like a good debate. Well, there's sometimes I don't. You know, when I'm interviewing them, it's about them. So there, it's all since it's all about them. It's not about me disagreeing with them. It's all about what they're what they 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 have to say. So it's not it's not the time for me to disagree. You understand? Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that. Is when, when they invite me on their radio show and they ask me the question, then I can say my opinion. And then if they <laughs> want to debate then, then, it, then it's all on. You know, that's a whole different ballgame then. So it's just how it goes. Now, when you do your radio show, do you, what kind of guests would you normally have on? 99% of the time I have on paranormal People that are involved in the paranormal, as in ghosts, spirits, things like that. Every once medium in a while. Medium psychics. Yeah, medium uh, psychics. You know, more along the lines of if they're into paranormal investigating. I've had a couple of people on that are survivor type people. Not paranormal survivors, just people that like to go out and survive in the woods. Um, I've had Steve Deshavi on from uh, Dead Files who's never, ever had a paranormal experience. But he's very interesting to talk to because he is, you know, he is a cop. Um, or was a cop. 
you know, that makes him very interesting. Uh, let's see, I've had on authors of all kinds of uh, paranormal books, but I've had on an author of a uh, fiction book that that's a teacher at a college. And uh, I've had people on that they just do events. They're not really into the paranormal at all, but they, they, but they throw paranormal events. So it just depends. It, it makes it rather interesting, the people that I've met. I've met some of the nicest people you ever want to meet. In fact, this weekend we're traveling uh, 300 and, or 400 miles to hang out with some people that we met at a paranormal conference. We're going to another paranormal conference to hang out with them again and to meet some more people because, you know, they were great. And we're going to be checking out a place that I met the owner on my radio show. And uh, we're just really excited to be going. That's the best part of, of all this is the people I get to know. Um, I have talked to uh, this one guy. I, I love him and his wife. He's, uh, he writes about cryptozoology. He wrote about a book called The... Uh, the Aberdeen Wild Man. Yeah. His name's Frank Best. We've become best of friends. Funny thing is, is we grew up by each other in Maryland, but never knew each other. What's that say? Do you have a Bigfoot craze over there? Oh yes. Oh, oh, oh yes. Oh, 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 They have a very controversial subject called British Bigfoot. Now, some oh. people, most cryptozoologists believe it's a paranormal. But there has been loads of witness reports, and if you look up a lady called Deborah Hatswell, who is into, who's actually had experienced a bit British Bigfoot up close and personal, you'll find that she's got fantastic eyewitnesses accounts. Now some of them have been they've been debunked by people that didn't like the subject, but my theory is it's like UFOs. You can't you can't have so many reports without being some truth out there. The, and, that, and I've had on a few uh, UFOologists. Yeah. I've also had on a couple people that were um, conspiracy theorists. So it just depends on what I feel like talking about. Uh, I can have on the. I mean, I'm on the network called Paranormal King, so he's asked me to try to stick with paranormal as much as possible because his other guests do more of the other type of stuff so but I want to talk to who I want to talk to who I find interesting and so I go and I hunt those people down and I talk to them in fact Kat Hobson she's been on my show and she was on the network that I'm on when I started and she helped me get started on the network that I'm on a long time ago now yeah, well, she's given me a chance, obviously, to be on her uh, WM, WBHM-DB, and I, I appreciate that. I get, I, I, get, I, get, I get things wrong occasionally. Well, you'll learn. That's what notes are for. And I think, are. I think I'm coming across okay. You are. I've heard you. Been doing good, so but so do English Bigfoot do they drink tea? Do they have tea time? 
Yeah, you know, tea and cup. They'd have tea and toast and a bit of marmalade. Okay, well that's good because I think ours drink coffee. Yeah, no, that's probably why they're so <laughs> high. That's probably why they do a lot of grunting in the forest. They're hyper. <laughs> it's either that or, or well, well we know what coffee does. But do you guys have a UFO craze as well? Yes, there is. A, there is a British uh, Roswell. Stonehenge and, and all that people are just they're crazy about all that and see my theory about Bigfoot is that Bigfoot is an alien and he's riding around on spaceships and is just beam me up Scotty and that's why we never find him well not pe that's that coincides with the fact that people think it's like a um, wormhole theory yeah similar kind and, of theory and, yeah a lot of people can say he's transdimensional or multi-dimensional, and it's like, you know, until I see something that I can't explain, I, I can't, I can't really go there. Um, I have one UFO book. I, I have one cryptozoology book, and the one cryptozoology book is Frank Bennett's, and the one UFO book is, oh, what's his name? Um, Shoot, can't remember his name, but he's he he's big into UFOs. He writes a book a year, or multiple books a year. This guy does on paranormal. Nick Redfern, that's his name. I know Nick. I know very well. I yeah. know him. He's a friend of mine, and he knows a, a, a good friend of mine who's into cryptozoology, called Jonathan Downs. Cat's got my book by Nick Redfern. She got it signed for me when she was at the parent, at the uh, uh, UFO conference. I had won the book for asking a question, and I think I was probably the only person to ask a question, and I think that's why I won the book <laughs> on this radio show. But I won it, and so all my books are, are signed, so I wanted to make sure it got signed. And so I have to go to Birmingham to get it. But, yeah, I... Like I said, with my guests, they're, and some of my guests are brand new paranormal investigators. They just got started. You know, people that run uh, Chamber of Commerce that do do events, you know, like Haunted Atchison or um, Haunted Cherryvale, Kansas, things like that, to just promote their event that's coming up. And I will make them sound like it's the greatest event ever if I have to. Um, I've also had on people that answer in one word that you'll ask them a question and they'll say yes and then I have to expound upon it for them and explain the answer for them to my guests because otherwise my guests are going to leave because they don't understand why they're answering yes or no. Yeah, I, I do I do a podcast as well for a, a paranormal group called Linkages Spirit Seekers. And they're doing a, like a, a paracon in Great Britain soon. I got invited. Ah, but so I had to turn them down. I oh, see. So you know, you know the one I'm on about. And I like doing that because, yeah, again, it gives me another outlet to do different things for them. I'm a multi. I'm, I'm a multi sort of color. I do. I draw cartoons, which I. I see that. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Um, 
published on a magazine called Gonzo Weekly. I'm normally on the back page, but hey, you know, published is published. Um, I do a lot of writing, as you may have noticed. I even do a bit of singing, as you may have The cats they like it. Messages to me. So, uh, so, so, do you paranormally investigate? No, I wish I could, but I'm I'm limited to what I can do because I have um, small, small, mild small vessel disease of the brain, which affects cognitive skills like memory and speech. And I also have a neurology problem as well. But apart from that, I'm okay. Okay. Well, that makes total sense. So... But I'm new in spirit. That's why I do this instead. So yeah. It's the next best thing. Do you enjoy watching other people do Facebook Live and do their paranormal investigations like that? I try to, but... I tried to do a Facebook Live once, but it's very difficult to get, get unless you've got the right machine to do it with. Yes, you have to have the right, um, if you're doing it with your computer, you have to have the right, uh, you have to have Chrome, or you have to have Firefox, and it's just, it's way harder than it has to be. I do mine on my phone. That, well, that's, I that's found out that I can do, record on Live on Twitter if I like to, and in, yeah. I'm on Instagram as well, so I can do that as well if I need to. I haven't done anything on Instagram yet except for share some things, and that's about been about it. And uh, well, I'm a great believer in being on everything you can be to promote yourself as much as possible, because the best promoter in the world is yourself. So, what we've got coming up here in the near future is, uh, well, since this is going to air after that, more than likely, we're going to a paranormal conference this coming weekend, August uh, 4th, going out to uh, Illinois to this thing called Spook Show Con, and this will be the last of it. Um, they're not going to be doing it in Mattoon, Illinois anymore after this. Um, they'll probably be moving it up to uh, DeKalb, Illinois, or combining it with a show called the After Afterlife Paranormal uh, Conference. So we're going to go to that, and afterwards we're going to check out Ashmore Estates in uh, Ashmore, Illinois. It's only a little ways down the road. And then after that we've got coming up in uh, September... We're going to be on a Sean Whittington's show, Lost um, Vegas Supernatural, on September 10th at 7 p.m. Central, and we are going to be his co-host that night. He's got very special guests. I'm not allowed to tell you who they are, so we're going to do that. Then after that, we are going to be in Alton, Illinois on October 20th at McPike Mansion. It is a camp out. It's once a year. It's $35 a person. And you get to sleep at a haunted location. And it was just recently taped 
for ghost adventures. Like, when I say recently, last week. Wow. They were just there last week. So uh, it'll be very interesting. This is the last time McPike Mansion was on TV was Ghost Lab with Brad and Barry Kling back in 2009. So that, that tells you it's been a while since this has been on TV. So we are volunteers there. If you want to check out McPike Mansion, this is a great time to do it. And it's like a paranormal conference without all the speakers. You get to come and hang out, have some food sleep at a haunted place and have some fun go to mcpikemansion.com and the it's up there we take the first 70 people that sign up so sign up and pay and you're guaranteed to, to have a space there and that's it uh what are we doing after october or in october besides that so far that's all we have oh, we'll probably planned. have something every weekend yeah we probably will but right now that's what's set in stone um we also have some things going on with uh we filmed a a movie last year called the deep darkness there's a website the deep darkness.com where they're coming back for a after af, not after shots but they want to talk have some follow-up interviews we're gonna do that uh august or september yeah they're putting coming the up. final touches on the movie yeah they got hit with a hurricane right after they got back last year after oh, the well. the, <laughs> the eclipse um, this movie's about Atchison and the Sally House. We were we were in it. We spent a lot of time with them. Don't know how prominent we are in the movie, but um, thedeepdarkness.com, and uh, it's we're follow, doing the follow up, and it's going to be really interesting to find out uh, how it all turns out. Uh, well, we know how we know how the Sally House turned out after that. The thing is, is we don't know how the movie turned out. So. Um, Let's see, what else do we have coming up? I can't think. We might be going to this paranormal conference at um, Manila Con on September 1st up in Manila, Iowa. It's a one-day paranormal conference. Bill Hartley and, and his wife, Carissa. Uh, Carissa Fleck Hartley are going to be there, as well as um, Daniel Class. He's going to be there, the guy who owns the Hinsdale House. And... Uh, going to be a really neat event if you guys if anybody can make it up there so check that out on facebook manila con in manila iowa it's not far from council bluffs iowa so check that out uh if you're looking for my radio show i'm on paranormalking.com every non-holiday monday night when i say non-holiday i'm talking canadian or american holiday i'm off air or if i'm on vacation if I'm on vacation, there's no show. But I do have... I lost him. No, he's still there. Okay, um, I'm listening. I'm a very good um, listener. No, my thing went blank for a second. Um, my show's on every Monday night, 7 o'clock Central, on ParanormalKing.com. It's called Paranormal Pride. And if anybody's looking to promote something that they think might fit into my style of interviewing... They can find me on Facebook on the Paranormal Pride or Pride More Paranormal. Either one of those will take you to me and Ron, and we'll find a way to get you either on the show or get you on somebody's show that might you might fit in better with. Well, if you ever uh, need a British man that lives in Holesville, just mention my name. Okay. 
we'll do that. And so I can't think of anything else to tell you. Um, you have Sean Whittingham in uh, two days, you said? I've got Sean on an interview, yes. Yeah, you're, you're, you'll like him. He's, he's a good guy. He's very high energy. Yeah, I gathered that, by the way, I saw that straight away. I thought, ah, he's going to be really interesting. But I like interesting people. I've talk- Do you know a man called Bobby Gabanster? He does. He does. He does a horror show called the Monster Movie Night on in the internet. No, I don't. Know, don't know him. Well, anyway, I had I I had the privilege of introducing one of his shows because I had I did a really my weirdest interview I've ever done was with him. He didn't have a microphone. He didn't have headphones, so I had to do all the interview by typing in the questions and answering the questions as. It, he told me the answers, and it, oh, and it worked because because if you see show, you understand how it works. And um, I was on his show. I introduced uh, the film Tales of the Crypt. Oh, okay. I enjoyed it. I I, I like that kind of thing. So this guy's out of Virginia. I don't know where he's based. I couldn't tell you that. Oh, I- I just found yeah, it. Yeah, just looked it up. Yeah, I just looked it up. So th- that's that's, a, that's an unusual way to interview someone. It, what is this on? Is this on YouTube or? He's on the internet. Oh. I don't know if he's on YouTube. I think it's just internet. I'm not too sure. Huh. Like I said, I, I'd have to look and see where he's at. But if you look him up, he should come out. I've, he has got. He's on Facebook. Yeah, like I said, that's how I found him. So. He's not, I think uh, there's. I think there's a link in there. So. But yeah, we. I've got a lot of people I can share with you that I think would be really good guests for you. But Ken and Farrah Deal would be really good. Their last name's D E E L. Actually, they they have a show here in less than an hour. Yes. It's, uh, it's Facebook Live. Yeah, it's on Facebook Live, and uh, I'll share it. When it starts on my page, I I'm like I, I know it's what one in the morning there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But they'll have a replay. They have them all on YouTube. Yeah, as you can well. watch a little. Yeah. Watch That's what I'll probably do. I'll, I normally watch the replays anyway because sometimes I'm like I've got to go right. sleep. I've got to sleep. Right. Yeah. Well, theirs <laughs> is on on YouTube. <coughs> and it's on real deals. Yeah, watch a replay or two, and uh, you know you'll you'll kind of get a feel for them, and they they'll be really good guests. I I think you'd like them. I think and, I will. Uh, they get a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, they can tell you a little bit more about you know demonology and that. Yeah, I'll send you the link to that S Rob that I know as well. You'll find it very interesting as well. If you look him up on Amazon, you'll find he's done loads and loads of books. submitted recently was a story about I called it the night entity and I submitted it to um, Haunted Road Media for a book for the book they call um, Encounters with the Paranormal it'll be their sixth edition I I submitted that and uh, I've got all I do now is write my bio and send it to them and wait for 
for it to be published, and so I'm excited about that. That was something that is, I mean, I've been published before, but they were just little poems that I wrote, and I don't know if they just published everything everybody sent them. You know, it was one of those weird things that I just didn't know, but that was back in 1997, but I think they, they did that so everybody would have to buy a book. I wouldn't buy the book. So, um, but yeah, this is a little bit different. So I guess, and I'm also, I wrote two articles for magazines that got printed and I thought that was interesting in itself. That was a couple years ago. It's nice to be published. It's nice to see that someone appreciates your work. Well, at least I did. I mean, (laughs) I appreciated seeing it and... The people who came to the Sally House at the time, they appreciated seeing that it was written up in a way that wasn't um, sensationalized with with um, urban legend. Yes, it, it is. I, I could understand that. Uh, but I have problems with urban legend, so we'll just go. Well, with I, I, I could go into discussions about that because I study cryptozoology and I am a great fan of conspiracy theories and myths and legends and the real stories behind them and I do I do loads of wonderful research I talked to I'm talking I was talking to a bloke today who lives in Brazil who's doing a study a metric study on werewolves oh. <laughs> you pulled that face didn't you <laughs> Well, there's a lot of theory behind that as well. I know, there's a ton. And are they just big dogs that are bigger than other dogs? Do they all truly stand on two feet? And are they really, you know... You know, they they sensationalized it so much with Twilight, you know, and all these other shows, and humanized something that really isn't human. In fact, Ken and Farrah talked about this last week on their show, and I'm sitting there going, yep, 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 I agree. You know, I don't, I don't understand, you know, why you would sensationalize something. I just don't know if you can, you would have to show me a lot of proof. Well, if you go into Eastern Europe, or, yeah, I'd say Eastern Europe where, you you like Romania, Bulgaria, places like that. There's a big you. If you mention vampires, there's a big big. They still put crosses on the door. They still put things around the windows. Right. So it's well, a big, big belief. They did have Vlad the Impaler. You know. And nice guy. Not too far away. So. <laughs> That makes sense in a way. I mean, it was part of their their heritage, and I know that werewolves are part of the heritage as well in, in Europe. It's just, it's. I'm not saying it's unbelievable, as in I can't believe it. I'm saying it's hard to believe. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, I mean, I like to listen to everything. 
if I don't think it, I think, well, it could be possible, but I'm not going to look into it any further. But I like to hear both sides because every, every, every story has two sides. Right. Actually, every story at least has three. Well. You know, like I tell the kids all the time, there's your side, my side, and the truth. And sometimes the truth is not in either story, at least not all of it. So it's just like with urban legend. There is always some truth in urban legend, but how much of it is the truth is what you have to determine. And so that's what gets me off on tangents in, you know, being tour guides in some places, you know, or when we go to some place and somebody says something that's far-fetched. Well, I have one for you. There's an urban legend where I used to live in Southend-on-Sea called the Rat Man of Southend. Okay. This is the the theory is that um, there's um, underground tunnels there where he, the tramp used to walk along. He uh, uh, got beaten up by a load of youths. And while he was lying there, dying, he was chewed to death by rats. And that's why, he's, he, that's why he come, you can hear scratching noises as you walk past, or the lights flicker. Or the other theory is that he, he was an illegitimate liaison between the mayor and... A, a lady that wasn't his wife, and he ha- was born with a little tail and a like a snout-like nose. Sounds like a part of the story from Gabriel Garcia Marquez's One Hundred Years of Solitude, when they had the baby that was born with a tail and ended up eventually, the last baby ended up being a pig. I know there Very are much. people that are born with tails, isn't there? There is that—that that is a medical fact. Yep. I know that is true. That bit—that is true. That is. I know that's a medical fact that they are, are they're people unfortunately born with a tail. Not like a massive like <laughs> dog tail, but like yeah. a like um extra bit of skin, I would say. Or a little extra piece of bone. Hmm. So. I knew somebody who had basically they had to have the bone removed but their their parents never did it when they were younger they had it done when they were older people could be born where they're male and female organs Mm -hmm. oh I can never pronounce it hermaphrodites is that the right word? hermaphrodite yep and then they have to make a choice when they're younger if they're going to be a boy or a girl. Yep, they have to. Just, the parents have to decide. I wouldn't like to make that, that decision myself. That must be really awful decision to make. Yeah, I don't want to make that decision. Thank God, I don't. Ha- I didn't have to. So, is there anything else you want to ask me? No, I think I shall end the show, Mel, but I shall end it as I like, always like to end the show. Um, can you, is your beloved there as well? No, he he walked off into the kitchen or something. And you want me to get him? Yes, he's, he's, he's called Ron, isn't he? He 
Yeah, I'll go get it. Well, we have six cats. Somebody needed to eat. Okay, so, sorry. Just, just one second. <clears throat> if you're hearing silence, it's because niece is going to get her husband Ron because they are feeding the cats. Cats first. They do show separate. Meow, meow, meow. Cats. Dance on the shelf again. We are about to see my friend. I'm just filling the dots box because I don't like dead air. He won't be there, my friend, dead air. We want to see what you don't to see. This is the bit. Okay, we're we're both here now. Okay, ready? <coughs> Thank you, Denise and Ron, for being on my show. It was fun, you know. I like to see that you've heard about your ghosts and where you're going to go. It was very nice to know. So I'd like to say thank you for being on my show. Ta-ta, bye-bye. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you very much. <laughs>